Welcome to All Ears, Senior Living Success, where we talk with industry leaders to make sure you find success in your community. My name is Matt Reiners, and I'm the co-founder of Eversound, a company dedicated to improving quality of life for older adults by giving them the gift of hearing. Welcome back. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Melanie Perry, the National Director of Memory Support and Resident Experience for Elegance Living. I've gotten to know Melanie over the years and her passion to help older adults is unmatched. She brings a positivity and inspirational outlook into her own life and into our industry. It's people like her that leave a positive impact in our communities every single day. Thanks for joining me today, Melanie. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. Amazing. So Melanie, I didn't want to go into your background because I wanted you to share that. But Melanie, so what is your background in and what is really driven you to help older adults, especially those living with dementia? Sure. Well, this is, I, I, you know, I almost hesitate to say this, but this is my 29th year, Matt, in serving elders uh, within the elder care profession. And I actually started out as a personal care assistant in an all memory support assisted living in uh, Southeast Florida. And I knew fairly immediately that uh, this was an area where um, people needed advocacy. Um, and I realized that pretty quickly in that my first uh, day on the job and my training in all things personal care and dementia consisted of following a cohort around this all memory support uh, community for one day. Uh, and then the second day when I walked in expecting a little more onboarding, a little more information, they said, oh, hey, this person's not going to be here today. So we hope you got enough information best wishes. And so my second day of employment, my second day of serving those with diagnoses of Alzheimer's disease and related forms of dementia consisted of one day of onboarding. And so even then as being very, very new to the field, very, very new to the profession, I knew that we needed to do better. And, um, you know, as I learned from the residents, because they were the ones that taught me initially so many things about their care and, and what the, the world of dementia is all about. I just that 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 desire that that realization that advocacy was needed just continued to grow and grow and grow and slowly turned into a mission over time. And, and as I mentioned here, 29 years later, um, I persist. We still see that these individuals need advocacy. Perhaps, you know, the world's a little bit more knowledgeable now of, of what uh, the world of dementia, um, elder care, uh, and uh, just elder advocacy is all about. But I think there's still work that needs to be done. And I just feel that it's my mission to continue to do that wherever I can. I love it. And uh, you absolutely do that too. So happy 29 years as well. So much. Um, and, and we talk about, you know, the, how the world views those living with dementia, and it seems like it's gotten a little bit better, but you know, are there still any misconceptions from the general public about those living with dementia? Sure. I think there, there still are misconceptions. And I think first and foremost, because I've heard this from individuals who are experiencing diagnoses that uh, will result in dementia experiences, tell me. They said, um, you know, we just feel that we are constantly uh, marginalized, that we are constantly underestimated, and many people um, almost stop treating us as, as fellow human beings simply because of these diagnoses. And I had one gentleman that actually said after he was, uh, the day after he was diagnosed with his uh, Alzheimer's diagnosis, 
his family members immediately started removing responsibilities and uh, his roles from his experience, feeling that he was no longer going to be capable of, of um, completing them. And so therefore began to change his life the day after he received the diagnosis, simply because he now wore that label of Alzheimer's disease. So I think that that remains a misconception that individuals with these diagnoses are no longer capable of growth, learning, evolution. And we know as we're serving them for all, the, all of these years and from interacting with these individuals, that is so not true. And and so we just need to continue to spread the word that, you know, all of us have our own burdens. All of us have our own challenges in life. And we still hope to that people will allow us to be the best that we can be and encourage us to be the, to be the best that we can be and not define us by those uh, challenges. People with dementia deserve the same consideration and they ask for the same consideration. So we just I think as a, as a society, we need to understand what can we do to support these individuals to help them to continue to be the best that they can be rather than assuming that they are uh, at this point less than simply because they carry a, a diagnosis. Yeah. And I've been to some of the conferences like dementia action Alliance, where there, you know, there's people living with dementia there and they've expressed very similar things, right? They get that label. They're kind of placed into that bucket and are assumed that nothing good can ever come out of it again, which is just not the case whatsoever. Indeed. Yeah. And, and so now, in addition to, you know, memory support, you know, I know you're also supporting the resident's experience. And is there any specific ways you're thinking about that or addressing that for those, you know, people with dementia, mm -hmm. living with dementia? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, uh, kind of a continuation of the, the point that we just discussed with not underestimating individuals who have the diagnoses of Alzheimer's disease and related forms of dementia is that the science that is uh, being developed in the research that is being shared with everybody related to what any elder wants in their, in their life as they continue through their lifespan uh, is applicable to those living with dementia diagnoses as well. So it isn't that we have to you know, provide a, a life experience that is less than, uh, but rather we need to continue to take the research that's coming out, understand um, the, the modern thought of, of uh, elder development and, and continuation through the elder lifespan and make sure that we are encouraging, allowing, uh, offering those same opportunities to those individuals who have dementia diagnoses and, and you know, obviously scale it to where they may be in their journey, but not dumb it down, not make it a, a childlike process not discredit that they may have, um, you know, that they may benefit from the science simply because of these diagnoses, but rather, uh, again, be continue to apply it and uh, give them the full benefit of the research that's that's uh, that's uh, ever evolving uh, in the field. Yeah, makes sense. You know, we talk about the research. I'm, I'm curious, what are some of the current trends you're seeing in assisted living and memory yeah. care? Well, I think um, you know we're seeing a few trends that are that are being forwarded out there. You know, first and foremost, a, a continuation of the person-centered, person-centric, person-directed care philosophies, and truly offering them, not just giving them lip service, but truly yeah. uh, offering that. And that truly, what that boils down to, as we know, is that individualized approach. And so research is telling us that elders um, in, in elder care are looking for that individualized approach. What are you going to do for me? that helps me to continue to be the individual uh, that I am the, and, and uh, helps me to continue to define myself by the roles that have uh, roles and personality and identifiers that have accompanied me 
um, up to this point in my life, how are we going to continue that? And then certainly we're finding through the research uh, and through our interactions with our elders in our care that, you know, there's an emphasis on growth and evolution. So if we, we consider a couple of schools of thought here, so certainly Maslow's hierarchy, if we look at that, if we look at the top of that pyramid and that, that point of self-actualization, you know, no longer are we able to look at the bottom of that pyramid as we did back in the older days um, where we were satisfied as long as people were in that, that very bottom bracket, which was our basic physical needs, where as long as people were, you know, well cared for, well fed, uh, healthy medications being managed, uh, and then maybe even a step above that, which are the safety needs. If we felt those two levels or layers of the Maslow's hierarchy were being met, we thought, okay, you know, we're offering some pretty good, um, you know, senior care services. But knowing now that that is not sufficient, it does not define a human being or help promote good um, physical and, and mental wellness within an individual, but rather what people are craving are opportunities for continued growth and evolution. And if we look at, you know, some of the information coming out from the Mather Institute, you know, they're defining um, the, the, that elders are uh, asking for uh, experiences that, that go along uh, with three realms of functioning and that being autonomy, affiliation and achievement. So again, they're wanting to be themselves or in that individualized approach. They wanna be together, they wanna be a part of something larger than themselves. So again, that's that growth experience and then certainly achievement. Uh, and, and I can tell you within elegance that we uh, offer this, um, we call this our occupational dimension of wellness within our eight dimensions of wellness that we offer for um, to our residents. But you know, helping our residents still have achievement giving back to communities, understanding and knowing that they still have purpose and that they are still part of the, the communities in which they live. Yeah, the purpose is such a, a, a huge part in it, right? Everybody, what's what's life worth living if there isn't a purpose behind it? And I think you you hit a really great point in the beginning, like actually doing that and like practicing that rather than just giving lip service. I think, you know, there's a lot of providers out there. I think they're, they're starting to become fewer and further between, fortunately. But uh you know, they say they do it, but it's just kind of like the marketing component to it rather than actually putting it into existence. Okay. Um, and, and how do we continue to, you know, move forward despite all these systemic challenges such as, you know, the corporate structure, regulatory restrictions, and continue to, to push along? Yeah, I think I think arguably this is one of the, the toughest points uh, in the elder care profession and that we have experienced, you know, whether it's, you know, the recent pandemic and as we're continuing to come through that, as you mentioned, the regulatory system is probably more uh, rigorous than it has ever been at any point in the, in the 29 years that I've been in the field. Certainly, you know, with the staffing uh, opportunities and challenges that are that are within the field, this is probably one of the more challenging points in time that this profession has ever experienced. So you're right, it's, we have to really be intentional with what we're doing so that we can maintain forward momentum. And so I think of uh, ways to do that despite the challenges that we've just mentioned, which would be, you know, staying abreast of the current research, uh, taking advantage of, you know, organizations, as I mentioned, like such as the Mather Institute, the ICAA, you know, different organizations that are forwarding the research and we need to make sure that we're taking the time uh, amidst these challenges to stay abreast of that so that we can remain current uh, and that the, the things that we're offering them, you know, are germane to what the, the elders are, are currently um, interested in and want to be a part of. Uh, we need to be, I think, continually prepared to evolve. So if we feel that... Um, 
you know, that what we were doing even five years ago is going to be uh, effective today. I think we need to rethink um, our stance and, and our level of agility within our organizations. I think we need to understand the technology that's available and really avail ourselves of that because when we talked about the, you know, the staffing challenges that are out there, some of these pieces of technology may help to counter and shore up perhaps some of those, those staffing challenges by offering uh, various technological uh, interventions that can that can help with those situations, whether it be from a resident's uh, experience uh, and or memory support perspective with with our, our daily offerings to our residents. You know, some of the the, the web based or um, uh, technologically based um, interactive platforms that are available uh, or, you know, whether it's a telehealth from, um, you know, a, a healthcare perspective, really availing ourselves and being aware of, of the technology that's out there. So I think it's it's all about um, maintaining our, our mission, uh, remaining uh, positive about what we're doing, but doing our due diligence to, to keep track of the research and availing ourselves of, of the technology that is available to shore up some of those challenges that you mentioned will be incredibly helpful uh, in us uh, continuing to move forward as a profession. Yeah, no, I love it. And, you know, as we're talking about moving forward, you kind of hit on some of the stuff, but if you could just, and I'd love to ask this question, but if you could give you know, the industry or those, you know, helping people live with dementia or even people living with dementia, just like three guiding principles or, or words of mm -hmm. advice as we continue to move forward, you know, what would you say? Yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, one of the, the uh, first bits of advice I would give is be prepared to pivot. Uh, just really, and, and, you know, the pandemic, you know, if we can say that there is anything beneficial that came out of it, I think, uh, you know, many of us uh, were surprised at how well so many um, organizations were at pivoting and adjusting how we were doing business and, and serving the elders within our community. I can tell you, you know, your, your Eversound product was such a big help with that, with, you know, helping families remain connected as, as communities were searching for ways to do that. So helping family members uh, stay connected through the window visits or what have you um, was, was a great example of that. But then also pivoting as, we, as we're talking about with, as new challenges prevent, present themselves. I think we as organizations need to agree that um, you know, what we have written as our policies or our uh, standards or what have you are not written in concrete, but rather uh, we need to have an eraser in hand, not to, not to erase things from the standpoint of they don't have validity, but do we need to be prepared to change things uh, sometimes in fairly quick order, depending on what the world is giving us. Um, I think it's important too that as organizations that we assemble groups of like-minded leaders, because I think if, if we have organizations or groups where we have people who have different perspectives, different belief systems, different areas of focus, those are the organizations I think they're going to have a little trouble moving forward, being able to pivot, being able to move together based on uh, residents' uh, needs and interests and, uh, and, and what they're expecting to receive from us. So, for instance, if we have people that are a little bit more of a regulatory mind, uh, and they're trying to pair themselves with individuals who are more innovatively minded, or uh, and then we maybe have a third group within the same organization that may be more of a, a little bit more of a clinical basis or what have you. Organizations, if they if we have different schools of thought uh, that are potentially either siloing or worse, working in an adversarial. Uh, fashion. It's going to be really tough for organizations like that. So I think organizations need to be very intentional in really assembling like-minded groups of people 
with similar philosophies, similar missions. And I guess that would be the third bit of advice I would have is we need to define the mission within our organizations. We need to emphasize the mission. We need to revisit it frequently so that we're, we're remembering why we're here and then just stay true to that mission. Uh, and, and hopefully that mission is, you know, being the very best providers of services and resources, you know, for the elder segment of our population. And if we stay true to that basic mission and we're all working toward that in our hearts and our expertise uh, in our efforts, I think that, um, that we would not be going too far afield indeed with, with anything that we're doing. I love it. Melanie, we got to give you a microphone to drop after that. That was amazing. And, uh, I just want to thank you for for coming on the podcast. Uh, I appreciate your soul so much and all that you do and all that you bring into this industry. It's been an awesome and a pleasure getting to know you over the last few years and excited to see what the next 29 years bring. <laughs> I might not be a part of that entire 29 years, but I'm excited too to see. I may actually be a recipient of some of these <laughs> some of yeah. these hearing uh, methods, but but I'm excited too. And, and Matt, thank you so much for everything that you do uh, on behalf of the, the uh, population that you're serving uh, and for the, the field in general, because you also, uh, you're one of the good guys. And uh, I so, so appreciate you and everything that you're doing as well. Awesome. Well, thank you, Melanie. And uh, again, it was an honor and a privilege to have you on. And uh, until next time. Until next time. Thank you, Matt. If you'd like to know when we post the next episode, make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're interested in how Eversound can help improve the quality of life in your community, find out more at eversoundhq.com.